You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Excited to speak with you today. Got some fun stuff lined up. First, uh, just want to remind you uh, to come join us on Locals. If you haven't joined us on Locals yet, you're wasting your time. You need to come join us over there where we have in-depth discussion. I share a lot of different content, help you to live a life of excellence. Uh, recently, I got to speak at an eighth grade uh, retreat. Had a blessed opportunity there with All Souls uh, parish and school last week. And so really grateful to them. Just want to give them a shout out uh, in case any of the little homies uh, started listening to the podcast, had a great time with them. I uh, got to speak to them about where their life is going, the direction that you're heading in. And I just want to encourage everybody that's going through a time of transition. Um, this, you know, just two podcasts ago, two solo ones ago, at least I talked about the importance of uh, being intentional as you're going through different times of transition giving yourself grace, um, but also holding yourself to a high standard while you go through different changes in life. And so that'd be a good one. If you you or anybody you know is going through a different time of transition, I talked a lot about my transition into fatherhood, what that's been like for me and my family, uh, and some of my quick lessons learned from the first 30 days of that. So go check that one out. It's called like uh, Fresh Fatherhood or something like that is what I titled it. And so I encourage you to check out that episode. Now, today, we're going to get into a bunch of different things. If you remember my solo episode from last week, I talked a lot about uh, some of the online debates we've been having about, um, you know, should parents and and single people make the same amount of money and talked about minimum wage and talked about enforcing kind of mandatory parental leave kind of from the federal level or even the state level. Like, what would that look like? And, and really try to hit on a lot of like, philosophical and political principles that we should evaluate these things by um, was super interesting because I just, I, I don't remember where it was yesterday. Maybe it was a Instagram reel we were watching. Yeah, it was, it was Instagram reel we were watching and I don't know how serious these people were, but the, the guy was like having to go back to work after paternity leave. He was just like, everybody should get guaranteed paternity leave for a year. Uh, paternity and maternity leave for a year. And people say these things and I get it. Like he, he might've been half joking. I don't know, but it, it is a sentiment that's shared by people in the, in the world. Definitely maternity leave for six months to a year is uh, not that unpopular of an idea, but paternity leave, I don't know, for three months, five months, six months. Um, and I think we just have to 
be mindful of when we talk about these things and when we share these things and when we're passionate about them, we try to promote them. Even if it's jokingly, yeah, I mean, he seemed like he's being sarcastic, not that he was outright joking about it because he said it with a serious face. And I just think it's interesting. And I think we have to really think about where do you stand on that on, on a serious level? It's like, it's one thing to joke about. It's like, yeah, it'd be nice. I'd love to have a year off and still get paid. Um, but at the same time, I think some people have even been surprised at how quickly I've gone back to work, uh, knowing that I have six weeks off and I only really took like two and a half straight before going back to work part-time. Um, and I think some people were kind of shocked by that. And so you have this kind of mix uh, of views out there. Um, I work in sales, obviously, so part of my pay is commission. So it doesn't really behoove me to um, not work or like I did the speaking opportunity last week and things like that. And, and so um, when you have a job or a career, like a lot of people do, where you get paid more if you're there, even if you're able to take some type of leave, uh, it doesn't behoove you. It's not beneficial to the family to take all of that at once, right? To just go six weeks without any of that extra pay. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's something worth considering and thinking about. But um, yeah, so that that's what last week's podcast was. I don't know why I got so deep into that. I didn't mean to. But this week, if you remember from last week, two things I said I wanted to talk about that I didn't get to were Target. So some of the stuff that's going on. I actually wanted to talk about Target before this crazy shit came out about them supporting all types of evil and satanic uh, trans and LGBT stuff. Now, with a great deal of irony, I'm not just saying that the LGBT stuff was satanic, but actually, like, the things they actually were promoting, there were, like, actual satanic stickers that they were sharing with people. And it was just absolutely nuts. And so we're going to be talking about some of that today, as well as um, the this WNBA debate that I got into. And I've had it with a couple people now, actually, which is really fun. Um but before we get into any of that, first, we're going to talk about some really fun stuff that happened on Instagram. And so if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that last week I went off about trads. And this is not always the most popular thing that I talk about um, because there's times where I get really passionate about this. But I, I've got this beef. I've just got this beef with uh, with some of the trads in my life. Some of the trads in the world. And so let me see if I can find... Yeah, there it is. So they had this lovely post from our Warpath, just to give you some context for what I'm talking about here. And they said... They're, they're actually... This wasn't about Target. They were talking about the LA Dodgers, which is also... Something we can get into, which is super grotesque and awful. They're uh, the LA Dodgers. For a quick synopsis on this, just so you understand what, what we're what they're talking about. <clears throat> the LA Dodgers for Pride Month. Obviously, they have to go all out for Pride Month for thirty days of June. We have to basically live in, um, you know, one of the layers of hell and and just be bombarded with Pride stuff every day for thirty days. You probably know that already. They decided to take it up to another level this year, the Dodgers did, by hosting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which are literally, which is literally a group of people who are designed and um they exist to mock Catholicism. So they call themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, right? So in 
they encourage you to go and sin some more. Right. So that's basically their whole their whole shtick is that they dress up as nuns. They uh, twerk. There's videos of them twerking as drag queens around a a Christ crucified to like a live action kind of like a, a man, you know, imitating Jesus on the cross. And like there's drag queens literally twerking around him and like on the cross. Um, they do like fake masses. They've taken and desecrated hosts before, um, but they do like fake masses where they put like uh, really, really grotesque. I don't want to get into some of the details on some of that because it's really, it's really, really disgusting. Just understand like we're talking 10 out of 10 disgusting. And a bunch of Catholics like spoke up about this Catholic vote. Shout out to them for kind of leading the charge on this. A lot of Catholics spoke up on this and then they um, decided to uninvite them. So they were still going to do their pride night stuff. But they were going to uninvite these, you know, this group. Uh, well, they reinvited them. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm somebody that's very engaged on. I, I'm engaged by on Twitter, meaning that I read a lot of stuff on Twitter. I don't really tweet very often. Um, I don't really tweet at all, honestly. I just do it for. I only have an account to uh, take stuff in, basically. And then on Instagram, you know that I post a lot and I also read a lot of stuff on Instagram. I found out about them reinviting this group, the Dodgers reinviting the group, um, on Wednesday, Tuesday morning, right? So it was like Tuesday morning. I'm like giving Jordan his bottle or whatever. And afterwards, I um, just hanging out with him and I'm reading the news for the day and find this out. Now, I told Emily when she woke up and she was like, oh yeah, I saw that yesterday. I didn't know that the news had come out the day before, but I had just found out or whatever, right? Now that whole day I was taking care of my family for like two hours and then had to drive up to the mountains for this retreat with all souls. And so I'm up in the mountains, come back home and immediately there's like family over. Um, Emily's brother Jack had gotten home and, and stuff like that. So I, even if I had wanted to comment on it, um, really had like no time to, especially not to give any like thoughtful response to it. Um, and so I, I just didn't have any time to really talk about it or go into it. And so I, I, Emily told me about this, this post, um, from our war path, um, on Instagram that was originally originated on Twitter that they said the following. Um, so they quoted it inside of they, they, there's two different tweets. One's like a quote tweet. So I'm going to read the interior tweet. The first one. First, it says, where are all the celebrity Catholic bishops and priests? Why aren't they using their platforms to condemn the abominations that the MLB and the Dodgers are allowing? In their silence, they give approval to such immoralities. They quoted that, their own tweet, and said, where is at Bishop Barron? Where is Father Bible in a year? Will they use their platforms to condemn the actions of the MLB and the Dodgers? Now, if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you know I am um, uh, a big supporter and have a deep admiration and respect and love for Father Mike Schmitz, who w was just, in my opinion, very disrespectfully called Father Bible in a year in a mocking in a mocking tone. Why did they have to call him that? Because Father Mike, to my knowledge, doesn't have an active Twitter account. He may have a Twitter account that exists, but he's not tweeting on a regular basis. He's for damn sure not tweeting about current events that are happening in the world. Um, tag Bishop Barron. I have my own beef. I have had my own beef in the past with Bishop Barron. I think sometimes my my issue with people who 
I think over criticized Bishop Barron is he did the whole like um dare we hope stuff the uh von balthazar kind of theology of like dare we hope that hell is empty all that kind of stuff that happened several years ago and i thought it was dumb i disagreed with what he said for a while i thought it was troubling but i can't point you to anything that he's done since then that i think is like concerning theologically now i'm no theologian but i also don't know any reasonable people that have criticized him in the last several years that, that I know of, that I know of. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened or there hasn't been cause for it, but it's not like he's out here on a regular basis, like just spewing some type of heresy or being unfaithful to church teaching. He, he's most frequently done the opposite and done the opposite in some secular arenas. Um, he gets interviewed by secular people or Jews or whoever it might be. You think of like Ben Shapiro interviews and other people like that. And to me, I think it's really impressive that he goes into these places and, and, uh, shares the faith and shares the truth of the Catholic faith. Sometimes he might not be as bold to do the things in the ways that we think that he should. Um, but I do believe th- this is, this is the crux of what I'm going to talk about a- as far as defending them is I have no reason to believe that either of those men do any of the things that they do without prayerful consideration. I have never met Bishop Barron. I have met Father Mike Schmidt. And when I met Father Mike Schmitz, the only thing I can tell you about him it was, it was that in my brief s- several moments, minutes with him, he seemed like one of the holiest people I've ever met. There is something, and this might be something that's surprising to some of the, the, the rad trads, but there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit within us, there's actually kind of this, this glow that's described amongst many saints in the past. Um, people often describe Mother Teresa as having this, St. John Paul II is having this. Um, maybe, maybe two people that you, if you're a rad child, you don't think are saints, but most of, most of the, the church and people that knew them did think so. And the church has, um, declared that they're saints in heaven, but there's this glow and there's this kind of experience that people have. There's this deep joy and this peace and this love in their eyes. Um, and the experience that you have with them, that's really special. Um, and, and some of us think that that matters because we believe this, this, I know this is controversial and I've had this controversial debate with several trads that, that I've, I'm friends with, or that I've known or been in contact with over the last several years. Um, there, there's this thing called the fruits of the Holy spirit that St. Paul describes. And what that means is that those are the fruits of having the Holy spirit dwelling within you. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are fruits of the Holy Spirit. So that means that as we, uh, you know, as Jesus tells us that if we follow his commandments, if we live the life that he's called us to live, believing the things that the church tells us to believe, that we will have the Spirit dwelling within us. He promises us that God will send us the Holy Spirit. St. Paul, the apostle, the greatest apostle, goes on to tell us that if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, one of the signs of that, one of the fruits of that, one of the tangible things that we'll be able to see and be able to measure our, the Holy Spirit within us by is these fruits that he lists. So, so some of us think that those things are important. You might understand if you can draw those connections, if you believe in Scripture, if you believe in the authority of Christ, if you believe in the authority of his church, you, you might understand that we think that those things matter. And so people who have, 
I don't know anybody who's ever met Father Mike Schmitz and has has walked away saying he's an a-hole. I've never heard it. I've known a lot of people who have met him, and you only love him more after meeting him. And it's not like this like cheesy salesman, you know, kind of fake, oh, I just know how to people please. That's not the experience I've had anybody describe to me. And that's not the personal experience that I've had. I don't know anything about Bishop Aaron. I've never met him. The only thing I know about him and people that were close to him is kind of the fallout. The other, the other, I guess, like drama that happened with him was really kind of word on fire drama when the whole like they had that dude there that was just an a-hole that was kind of like sexual harassing somebody and uh, they didn't handle it very well. And, and yeah, so like that criticize him for that and the way he handled that. I'm all for it. What I'm not for is this is not the first time our warpath has has degraded uh, Father Mike Smith by calling him out of his name. I, I remember seeing other tweets when they criticized Hallow, and they didn't even criticize Hallow. They criticized people who used Hallow, kind of mocking them and making them seem stupid for using it. Um, and they called them, they were like, oh, Mikey Schmitz and all this other stuff and Father Bible in a year. Now, to me, you have to be an absolute jackass to mock a resource that has helped millions, over 10 million people grow in their faith and their spiritual life um, just because you don't like it or you don't use it. And you have to be a real jackass to make fun of a priest who has shared the Bible in a year with so many people that it became the number one podcast in the world, at least in the U.S. But, I mean, top 10 in many countries around the world, if not number one around the world. The, now, understand, this is the Bible. And, and, and this is where I'm telling you, like these, some of these trads, man, it's just like you lose sight of, of reality. And you live in almost this progressive world where you sound like QAnon people, where you don't have any like grasp on actual reality or the things that we believe. You start to lose sight of it. I actually was just listening uh, to the, the one chapter on um, wokeism kind of as a religion in Woke Inc. by Vivek Ramaswamy, which I highly recommend the book, by the way. I don't mean to trigger any trads. I know it wasn't written by a, a canonized saint, but some of us read things that have to do with other things in the world because we believe that we can analyze those and um, not fall totally away from our faith just because we've been exposed to other ideas. So that's, a, that's this is a concept that some of us crazy Novus Ordo people have um, is that we can actually read things that are not um, written by uh, saints and actually still remain Catholic. That's, that's something we can discuss that on a different point. But one thing he talked about was he talked about this, this uh, the brothers Karamazov um, and the, the story of Jesus and the grand inquisitor. And just to summarize it really quickly, he talks about how basically um the, the you know in this in this story um by uh oh what's his name um oh i'm forgetting his name what's wrong with me oh man dostoyevsky uh fyodor dostoyevsky yeah i remembered it right as i was starting to type it so dostoyevsky writes this great this great novel and uh, basically, the, the premise of it is that the world has come to use religion to oppress people and live in this basically like this theocracy, but they use Jesus as a symbol um, to enforce this kind of ideology. So the real Christ comes back, the second coming happens, and there's this cardinal that identifies him and recognizes him as Jesus and turns him into the authorities. 
And then Grand Inquisitor, who's kind of like running the whole like suppression of everything, um, tells him this and basically explains to Jesus that like you're needed as a symbol, but your actual teachings and stuff, they actually detract away from what we're trying to do. And so it's basically this idea that the the actual source and uh, foundations of a religion are now kind of being usurped and used against itself. And he talks about how that that happened with diversity and with wokeism and how that happens there. And I think something similar can happen when you get into this this deep this deep darkness that some rad chads find themselves in, where you actually start to lose. And this is what I'm talking about with making fun of the Bible in a year, and, and criticizing the priests who did Bible in a year and catechism in a year for not speaking about every social sin that happens or every grotesque thing that any woke company or organization does is you've actually lost sight of what we believe as Catholics. If you think that Father Mike deserves to be degraded and made fun of, because instead of commenting on what the LA Dodgers are doing, he's focused on bringing the Bible and the catechism to people. Bishop Barron, in a very similar way, focuses on bringing Catholicism one-on-one and explaining the faith in regards to current events and current issues and making it practical and understandable to the masses, which they've done on a very wide scale, helping millions of people to understand truth, return to their faith, embrace Catholicism, even the difficult teachings of the church because of the way they explain it. If you think that that is not helping in a massive way to advance Catholicism in the world, you no longer believe in Catholicism. If you don't think that's helping to eradicate evil in the world, you don't believe in, in what the church teaches. This is, this is why I went off so hard about this. Is This wasn't like a, I, I need people to understand, like this wasn't like a, just like an emotional, oh, we disagree on something dumb, or I think the TLM is dumb. I should have led with this, and I talked about this on Instagram. I love the traditional Latin Mass. I have my 1962 Missal. I try to go to the daily Mass at either uh, the Carmelite Monastery or Our Lady of Mount Carmel here in Denver once a week. That is my goal. I've missed that goal for a while now because I've been um, haven't made it back since having the the baby. Um, but I I love it. I love the TLM. Uh, me and Emily have had uh, arguments over it, in which I defended the TLM. I've had arguments with a lot of people where I've defended the TLM um, and the traditionalists. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I've had multiple podcasts with people where either they're just trads themselves or we are actively promoting the TLM to people. I've done it with the basic Catholic. I've done it with Austin from the basic Catholic. I've done it with the guy, um, my homie from mass of the ages, the executive director of mass of the ages. I've had, uh, another, you know, one of my friends who's a green beret, we had to keep him anonymous at the time. Cause we talked about some stuff in the army. Um, but he's a trad and we talked about a lot of the stuff that's going on between Pope Francis and the trads. Uh, when, when, um, you know, the restrictions and things like that were coming out. So I am not this like lifelong trad hating dude. I also, if you know me, am very passionate about uh, being bold in our faith, speaking on these social issues. I'm the person that goes around in my talks and tells people and in my podcast and in my writing, I tell people you have an obligation. I think you have a moral obligation to have an awareness of the things that are going on in the culture and in the world. Now, I think that's especially true for the lady because we're the ones that are in the world while the priests and bishops are supposed to focus on the sacraments. Now, these two priests, Bishop Barron and Father Mike specifically, their ministry extends beyond their immediate communities. Bishop Barron is a freaking bishop in Minnesota. He is a bishop. He's a full-on bishop. He is a diocese he's in charge of. Parishes, schools, all that stuff. 
Father Mike is a, is a chaplain at a university and does a lot of stuff in his own diocese. Outside of that, he also does a ton of speaking and ministry to seminaries, um, college students, obviously at SEEK, other Catholic organizations and, and things like that. And then on top of that, he read the entire Bible on a podcast and spoke about it for a year. He did the same thing with the catechism. He's blessed countless lives. He has his daily homilies are, are shared on Hallow. His weekly homilies are shared on Hallow to, to thousands and thousands of people every day. His podcast does the same. And on top of that, they're supposed to make public statements, all these different things. This is where the trads start to lose so many people. And it's amazing because... I don't think enough people understand this, especially especially to my trads who might be listening to this, who I'm friends with or who I know and who I love, um, that get frustrated with me when I talk about this. I know that I've had this conversation with some trads before where this is one of, one of several um, contradictory beliefs that trads will simultaneously hold. They will tell you that the TLM is the future, that it is the best that it is the best way to become as holy as you can become um, and that it is growing at unbelievable rates. And they'll also tell you simultaneously when, when somebody's being an asshole and they're a trad that they don't care about it growing. They're, they're not here to evangelize. They're not here to, to share it. I, I've had actual, like I'm talking about popular trads, right? Um, I've, I've had conversations with uh, t- text conversations and arguments with Tim Gordon, with Harrison Butker, with um, uh, the R Warpath guys. I've been on their podcast uh, again uh, with with Austin, the Basic Catholic. I've had Cecilia Pappas on the the podcast. I've had um, Mass of the Ages. I, 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 these are not. I'm not talking to. I've never talked to Taylor Marshall, but I'm not talking to only like random crazy trads on Twitter that don't have profile pictures. Like I'm talking to some of the leaders and most influential and admired people in the trad communities that I've been blessed to come in contact with. Most of the time it's been a blessing. I've, I still enjoy and listen to a lot of these people's videos. I still promote and love Harrison Bucker despite getting arguments with him. I still love uh, and, and watch some of Tim Gordon's videos, even though I think some of his shit's just absolutely wacky. Um, and so I, I, and I'm still friends with a lot of the other people that I named and mentioned and have great respect for them. Um, Dan Driver from Mass of the Age is one of my favorite people I've ever met. Literally one of my favorite Catholics I've ever met, one of my favorite podcast guests I've ever had. But they hold this simultaneous belief that we, we don't care about evangelizing the TLM, but we also love and take our greatest pride is in the fact that it's growing. So we don't care about its growth, but every time we get criticize, we're going to point to the fact that it's growing as kind of our main um, piece of authority. So there's that one. Then you have the idea that, oh, don't be celebrity priests. All these priests, all they care about is being celebrities. All they should be focused on is what priests are supposed to be focused on, which is the sacraments and ministering to the people in their office of teaching. What does Father Mike do? He uses his office and his authority and his platform for teaching scripture and the catechism. He talks about things and takes gender theory and all this stuff head on anytime he's asked about it. And what happens? One thing happens in the news and 12 hours later, you have some angry trads on, on Instagram talking about where, where, where are these celebrity priests at? I thought you didn't want them to be celebrity priests. A celebrity priest would be the one that feels like he has to insert his opinion on everything that happens. 
And what's crazy is a lot of these chads don't know how much Bishop Barron and Father Mike talk about these issues because you don't actually listen to them because you just discredit them because they're popular. I think you can make the argument that more than any priest in the last 30 years, I mean, you can make the exception for popes, but below the office of bishop, what priest in the last 30 years has been more impactful in the entire world than Father Mike Schmitz? And I'm not just saying more popular. I'm saying more impactful. More people saying that he literally brought them back to the church. He literally, con- the people converted to Catholicism and are living the Catholic faith more devoutly and more passionately, are evangelizing better than because of Father Mike Schmitz. His Ascension videos alone, even if he did nothing else, the Ascension videos, I can't tell you how many talks and times I've referenced the things that he said. I just did it at All Souls on Tuesday. Some, one of the kids asked me a question. How do we know we're listening? We can hear God's voice in our lives. And I've oftentimes shared, 50 times probably, have shared Father Mike's thing on that. The first Holy Happy Hour we did, if, you, if you're an OG Seeking Excellence listener, you know about the Holy Happy Hours. It's the first thing we did in the, uh, during the pandemic, during the lockdowns of 2020. I emailed Father Mike Schmitz. First of all, every time I've ever emailed him, he's emailed me back. I can't even imagine how many. I don't even text everybody to text me back. I can't imagine how many messages Father Mike Schmitz gets. Every time I've ever emailed him, he's emailed me back. I emailed him inviting him to one of the holy happy hours. He actually showed up to the first one. And the only reason I didn't bring him on camera was because um, the other priest was speaking. And for the time, the duration that Father Mike Schmitz was on the Zoom call, he, uh, I messaged him like, are you ready? To, like, are you cool if I bring you up? And the other priest was going. So I didn't want to just interrupt him with Father Mike. Um, and Father Mike didn't see the message until the very end. And so I never brought him up because I didn't want to just like, if he wasn't ready or whatever, I didn't want to do it. I didn't pay him to do that. I didn't offer, have anything to offer him in return, but just said, hey, I'm doing some ministry stuff for some young adults. If you're available, he said, if I'm free, I'll jump on. And he actually came. Like these are, these are good people. And to see Catholics turning in and being hypocritical and holding these contradictory beliefs. And, and, then, and then I have to hear every time, this is where the, this, and I want to talk about the gaslighting I talked about on Instagram. This is where I have to hear the gaslighting every time. People will tell me, oh, it's not all trads are like that. Not all trads are, are mean and rude and all this other stuff. And I'm not saying that all of them are. But my, my criticism, and, and this is where I think a lot of my trad friends that, that, that do care about the TLM, that do care about Catholicism, that do care about evangelizing and believe that, the, the, the traditional Latin mass is a better form of the mass that will actually lead to people being holier and better saints. If you believe that, then you have to want more people to come to it. And you should care and be offended and pissed off when, when people who represent the trad community act like this. Whether it's Tim Gordon or Taylor Marshall or R. Warpath, whoever it is, you guys should be the ones that are most upset. And my problem with the trads is that nobody, they never police their own. You guys cry and whine every time something happens where there's a restriction from a bishop or your pastor or the pope, but you never want to acknowledge that there are actual problems within the trad community and then be willing to police your own because why don't I see trads commenting on the R Warpath stuff saying, hey, this isn't it. I, I, I don't see any of it. There's never trads that do it. It's always the Novus Ordo ones who have to comment on this kind of stuff. And maybe they didn't see it, but I'd love to see Love Kristen Nicole commenting on this. I'd love to see uh, the grassroots Catholic, the one with the, the yellow background that's always posting trad stuff. I, I would love to see it. Where Where is it? Where is any trad willing to actually come out and say, oh, 
this actually isn't this actually isn't great. You don't see it. It's all Novus Ordo people. And then you share it. And what do I get? I get Instagram DMs like the one I got from this lady. Let me uh let me find this real quick. This drove me nuts. But I thought it was I thought it was the perfect response. And then I'm gonna get into the response that I got from uh, my man Joseph Rigi, who who I love and is a friend of mine. You know, I consider him one of my Instagram friends. Uh, we've never met in person, but I've always tried to support anything that he's done. Anything that he's asked me to do to share, to post or whatever. They were doing the R war path, like the March for Catholicism or wherever it was. I shared, I posted about it. I talked about it on my podcast. Now, <clears throat> this woman responded to me and she said, I'm going to read this quote. There's three main things that I hated about this and I'm going to address each one of them. I shouldn't say hated, but strongly disagreed with. And I thought we're stereotypical. She said, I am a traditional Catholic, and while I don't think it's right to condemn or speak the meaning of priests and religious, I also don't have a problem with people being upset by the silence of our church leaders on multiple relevant issues happening in our society right now. St. Catherine of Siena spoke up and called out faith leaders. Also, you should look into the recent finding of Sister Wilhelmina, who is incorrupt after being buried four years, who spoke out against modernism in the church and founded the traditional Catholic order of nuns. It's clear to me the Latin Mass is the Mass I want to be a part of. And isn't it interesting that it is this Mass, not the Novus Ordo, that is being persecuted right now? Just makes you want to be a part of it even more because the devil clearly is trying to squash it. Now I'm getting the, there's multiple, there's multiple things here. The first one is, is this is what happens. This is what happens whenever you as a Novus Ordo person say anything that is remotely critical of the traditional community. I don't know, I don't know where... The line would be drawn if you if you if you heard my story on Instagram, um, there was a time in a group chat that I was in that one of the prominent um, trads that I've already mentioned called one of the a major ministry in the church called it. Um, I don't even know if I can say it. If it's going, I have to like it. It killed my story when I put the word on the story, um, but basically called it gay and another very derogatory word for gay. Um, I posted about it on Instagram if you saw it, but it, I mean, my story views like dropped in half and I wasn't calling anybody this word. I was quoting this other person, um, but basically called it gay, called it homo, whatever you want to say, right? Um, the ministry called the ministry and the work of the ministry, gay and homo and all this other stuff, worse words than that. The priest who's one of the executive directors of this ministry was in the group, left the group. I called out the guy who said it. No other guy, and this is a group of men, 30-some Catholic men, one other man in that group, maybe two, and, and neither of them were trads. One of the few trads, one of the few in the group that are not trads actually said anything about it. Actually was willing to tell this guy, hey, you crossed the line. I'm not saying that you're going to hell for saying this. I'm not saying that you're a horrible person. I'm not judging your heart and your soul for this, but that was crossing the line. And he defended himself and denied that it was wrong endlessly and this is the kind of stuff i'm talking about because this is what they'll say i don't think it's right to condemn or speak the meaning of priests i also don't have a problem so the one word she forgot in there to make it grammatically correct because after she said i don't think it's right to condemn or speak the meaning of priests and religious comma she forgot the word but that's what would have made i don't know if she just didn't want to say the word but because she knows that it basically negates what comes before it but that's the word that's missing. 
she because she just says comma and then i also don't have a problem maybe you could put a period there but if you're gonna put a comma the next word is but and what but does is it, it negates or de, it at least belittles the the words that came before it and replaces them with authority of the words that are coming after it i also have a problem with people being upset by the silence of our church leaders on multiple relevant issues happening in our society right now now i would love to know when this woman has has last listened to father mike schmitz i'd love to know when she's last listened to, to bishop Barron. I would love to. It would be amazing to know that, to see, okay, you are claiming that they're silent. Do you Mike, Father Mike has new content that comes out every single day on multiple platforms. Are you listening to all of it to know if he's talking about these relevant things? He also does, with Catechism in a Year, Bible in a Year, his daily homilies, his weekly homilies, he has to record all of those in advance. Is he supposed to predict and be like some type of, do some type of prophecy to know when the, the LA Dodgers are going to act idiotic? And ridiculous and shame Catholics. Not shame Catholics, but, you know, be extremely disrespectful to Catholics. How would he know that? The next thing is what I dislike is St. Catherine of Siena spoke up and called out leaders of faith. Sister Wilhelmina talked about modernism. I agree with that. I think that it's great that they did that. Now, riddle me this, Batman. Did, did, did St. Catherine of Siena do that every day? Because a lot of these trads are, are, are bitching and complaining about our bishops and our, our priests and our popes, our pope, every day. Every day, it's what they talk about. Every day, they whine and complain and, and, and degrade and disrespect the priests and bishops and, and pope. I don't think St. Catherine of Siena did it every single day. I don't think if she had Twitter, she'd be tweeting about it every single day. Sister Wilhelmina talking about um, speaking out against modernism. Did she talk about it every day? Was that all she talked about? Or, did, or do you think sometimes maybe Sister Wilhelmina talked about scripture? Do you think sometimes she talked about the love and mercy of God? Do you think sometimes she talked about the Holy Spirit and his healing power? Do you think sometimes she talked about those things too? Because Father Mike does the same thing. He speaks out against modernism. He speaks out against transgenderism. He speaks out against same-sex marriage. He speaks out against socialism directly. But he doesn't do it every day. And if that's your complaint and your criticism, then I think it's a stupid one. And I'm willing to say that. The last thing here is this. <clears throat> this is, this is going to lead into what Joseph said in his comment on the post. Is that trads often live in this diluted reality. She said, it's clear to me the Latin Mass is the Mass I want to be a part of because it's that Mass that, and not the Novus Ordo that's being persecuted right now. This, this is the, the thing with this statement that's often said. Why is the TLM being persecuted? One, they, say, they take it as a sign that the TLM is superior because it has restrictions placed on it. Which to me, is, is it, uh, the TLM is an obvious favorite to have more restrictions put on it because of the fact that the church has decided to move away from the TLM. That happened at, at, at Vatican II, which was a legitimate council held by legitimate cardinals legitimate bishops, and a legitimate pope. And, and if you disagree with any of that, you're welcome to, but that leads you a little bit, you're at least leaning towards schism in some sense. But if you, don't, if you do believe that, that it was fully legitimate, then you understand the church is moving away from something. And so even if the church allows certain people to still practice and hold on to that, it would make sense that that's going to be more restricted and persecuted in a sense, if you want to consider it persecution, but it's going to be more limited than the new version, than the next thing. I'm sure when the TLM was instituted, 
the the previous form of worship, because the TLM was not instituted by Christ, so at some point it was established that this is our new form of worship. I bet there were people who were kind of holding on to the old way of doing mass and of worshiping God and of celebrating the Eucharist that felt like they were being persecuted or limited or restricted, and they were because there was this new form of the mass. So that's not this I, I, these like checkmates, and I I fell for some of these for a little while, and was like getting really close to being a TLM only guy. But I'm so glad, I don't even remember who it was that just like brought up some of these basic arguments. Now, the second thing there is that I remember when I was in sixth grade, I got in trouble a lot in school. I talked a lot in class and I was just kind of obnoxious or whatever. And I remember feeling oftentimes when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, where I'd be talking in class and some girls across the, the, the classroom would be talking and I would be the one that got in trouble. And I'd be like, what about them? They're talking as well. And they'd be like, shut up, stop talking. I don't want to hear anything else. Just stop talking in class. And I'd be like, but what about them? This is what happens with the TLM. And they, they point to, and for a while you start to believe it. And you're like, yeah, why don't you come down Pope Francis on the German bishops as hard as you come down on the TLM? It doesn't make sense. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that the TLM doesn't have its problems. Not the TLM itself. I shouldn't say that. But the trad community doesn't have its issues. When Pope Francis says that the track community is divisive, do you think what our Warpath poster right there was divisive? I think it was. Do I think some of the things that I've heard, do I think calling a, a, a prominent ministry that's helping a lot of people, do I think calling that gay and homo to the priest that is the, one of the directors of that ministry? Yeah, I th- I'd say that's divisive by a prominent trad. I think that's divisive. Do I think the, the, the many, many trads out there that claim that Pope Francis is not uh, the Pope, that claim that St. John Paul II is not a saint, um, and, and things like that, do I think that that's divisive? Yeah, I do. And I think it's a damn shame that more trads don't think that's divisive and don't see that as a problem. Do I think that there's massive issues in the church in Germany and the church around the world where you have priests and bishops? Do I think there's massive issues with Father James Martin? Do I think there's huge problems it's super problematic that the Pope has private audiences with Father James Martin and tells him he's doing a good job. Yeah, I think that's a huge issue. But I don't see why they have to be mutually exclusive. I don't see why I have to believe one is a huge problem and one is not. And I can even think that the German issue is much bigger problem than the trash divisiveness. But more and more, I'm starting to see them on equal playing ground. Because I think that schism and the problems... Now, I just listened to, uh, just ironically, the, the I think it was the latest episode, the Council of Trent with Trent Horn, talked about the sin of schism and, and how easy it is to fall into it and how deadly it is to the soul. And I really think it's worth going and listening to that. I will definitely link that one in the show notes today. But do I think that the sin of schism and all this stuff is is equally as problematic as the other schism happening in Germany because of same-sex merit, both of them are schism. It's the same sin. They're both, and they both encourage and are influential in affecting other people and encouraging other people to fall away from the church. So I'm starting to see more and more like, oh, maybe this trad stuff was more of an issue than I originally thought. And it's possible because I have some semblance of humility in my body and mind and soul that I can say maybe somebody else was able to see this problem before I was able to see it. So I want to get to what Joey said, but I want to also read, um, just because I think it's a good time for it, this other story that I got in the DM. So this uh, this was this was really great. I'm going to read her whole response to me. 
She said, too many Catholics seem to have forgotten that Christ and the church have outlined how you were supposed to confront people in error, and public shaming is the furthest thing from step one. Similarly, no one who is truly humble would respond in anger to correction. If it is true, they'd accept it. If it wasn't, it wouldn't bother them. I had a loved one who was trying to get me to attend the TLM. But at the time, I didn't like the Mass. However, I do now. And I didn't, most importantly, I didn't like the person they had become since starting to attend. But here's the incredible part of that story. They had become judgmental and shockingly anti-Semitic. I felt like I needed to confront them on that. So after a lot of prayer and with a lot of people praying for me, I did just that. And when I did, they thanked me. Because yeah, they'd been affected by the poorer parts of that community. They joined, but they wanted to be holy and they accepted correction with grace and humility. Now, I think this is something that's really important. And I don't know if I'm just prideful and thinking that my correction should hold weight with some of these people, but I do think that it makes sense that somebody who is very outspoken about a lot of these cultural and social and, and even church-related issues, I'm critical of Pope Francis, I attend the TLM, I support the TLM, I have trads on my podcast and on my platform, I promote trad events, that I would think that all of that, I'm, I'm a former army ranger. I've been to war. Like I'm not some just soft blue haired, you know, uh, lesbian Catholic that's out here like promoting all types of wild theology. So I would think that when I say, Hey man, this was probably a little too far calling a priest outside of his name and mocking him when he actually does speak up about a lot of these issues pretty frequently, maybe this is a bad look. Like maybe I could get some, some, just a little bit of credibility. To, but you just don't get it. And this has happened to me multiple, multiple times. This is not the first time. And again, these are popular trads. These aren't run-of-the-mill, regular, anonymous Twitter users. So don't, don't hit me with the, not everybody's like that. Then where are you at when they do act like this? I don't see it. I got trad friends that send me stuff criticizing Jordan Peterson all the time, criticizing Pope Francis, criticizing this, criticizing that. Criticizing Father Mike Schmitz, criticizing Bishop Barron, but you never want to criticize your own people? You got criticism for everybody else, but if they go to the TLM, they're, un- they're invincible. Come on, dog. Now, the, the last thing I want to talk about here with this, before we get to the other things, I, I'm really hopeful that I won't have to do the Target WNBA one again, but that might have to be a separate episode again, man. This one just gets me so worked up. So my my boy Joseph responded and he said, quote, the trad solution. What's humorous about that statement is the fact that Catholics are leaving the Novus Ordo in droves, which is why the Novus Ordo has had an all-time low church attendance and the traditional movement is growing immensely. In fact, it is growing at an unstoppable force. Now, I don't know how, breaking from his quote there, I don't know how you say it's a fact that it's growing at an unstoppable force. I don't don't know what, what facts you can rely on to predict the future that the growth of the TLM will continue at this rate in perpetuity. Is that what that claims? Unstoppable force. Returning to the quote. However, the difference between me and you is the fact that I don't have an abhorrence for any Catholic, both Novus Ordo and traditionalists attended, or he's saying that in in parentheses, both Novus and traditionalists attended our March for Catholics. Now understand this. So he's, let me take out the parentheses and read the sentence. He said, however, the difference between me and you, this is, this is laughable to me to say this, that, that, that the difference between me and him is that I abhor Catholics, apparently. 
Um, not that I just, I just want accountability for some people. I would just love to see a trad critique a trad for once other than only seeing trads attack priests that priests and laity that celebrate or attend the Novus Ordo. I would just love to see it one time, just one time, one single time. But apparently that means that I hate traditionalists. Now understand this again, this is a friend of mine. I, I did a podcast with him. I, promoted the, the the thing that he mentions in this statement that he says i uh, have an abhorrence for catholics he, he says i have an abhorrence for he implies at least i think by saying the difference between me and him is that he doesn't have an abhorrence for any catholic he's implying that i have an abhorrence for traditionalists and his point for that is that both novus ordo and traditionalists attended the march for catholics that he held i posted about the march for catholics i shared it i am part of the reason why novus ordo catholics went to that because i i, I promoted it I looked up flights to try to go myself to this event held by a trad that everybody was welcome to because I believed in. I thought it was a good thing. That's his sample for the difference between me and him is that the event that I promoted, that I believed in, that I encouraged both trads and Novus Ordo people to go to, I hate trads, I guess. So he said, whether they be traditional or Novus Ordo, while your thoughts on the traditional movement are formed by the same logic used by leftists and liberals, Anyone you disagree with, you put them in a box and write them off. Now, does that sound mildly hypocritical? I feel like I've made a pretty strong argument for why I continue to put trads in this box. I, I used to not. I used to always say like some trads, some, but the problem that I have, again, with the trads is you can't sit here and, and watch a small minority that's increasing in size within the group, mind you. Because back when I first started criticizing trads, that was when I was on the R Warpath podcast. This was before I thought they were doing stuff that was out of pocket. So now they're doing it, and it continues to grow and expand. And no trads ever criticize it. So in the same way that the first stupid-ass post by R Warpath, the whole point, the whole thing that they said was they said, your silence, where's the actual quote? Let me find it. In their silence, they give approval to such immoralities. They're saying that Father Mike and Bishop Barrett, by not speaking about the things that are happening in L.A. Dodgers, which I assume would mean they'd also have to speak about Bud Light. They'd also have to speak about Target. They'd also have to speak about all the transing of the kids in every state when every article comes out. Every drag, drag queen story hour, every drag show with kids. Every, they'd have to speak on every one, apparently, because every national news story that is a violation of Catholic morality, if they're silent on it, they give approval to such immoralities. And, and by golly, our warpath is the arbiter of that truth. They are the ones who get to decide that. Now, on the flip side, when trads see trads being assholes, and I say that your silence is consent to that because you advocate and support and like these posts and and follow these people and and encourage them and you pay for you pay for their lifestyle for for Taylor Marshall makes god knows how much money what does he make uh $300,000 a year on Patreon Tim Gordon balling out on Patreon and all these different platforms that he's constantly collecting money from trads you literally pay for them to say these these hateful and divisive things and support them and prop them up as your heroes and then you're silent when they step across the line. This is my problem with it. 
I, I think that there's a stronger argument for, for lumping trads in together to make judgments on the community when I, I've seen this so many times. And even the ones who don't make the violations, they don't ever criticize. It's very, very... I had one trad friend reach out to me who goes to the TLM more than in Novus Ordo. And she was the only person that said, I agree, this is nonsense. That was the only one. The only one. It's crazy. It's really, really tough, man. And I just, I think it's, I think it's really sad. Um, I think it's super unfortunate that you got to see this. I think uh, it's just sad to see so many just like kind of falling into this, um, falling into this, like this pit of negativity, man. Cause it just, it really does just kind of swarm you and it kind of, um, yeah, it's overwhelming. I've been there. And I don't think it's it's necessarily ironic that I feel like when I was in the depth of in, in my own life, if you track when I felt like I was most discouraged and negative was when I was most like deep into a lot of this trad stuff. And I don't think it's inherent to that. I don't think it's the TLM. I think the TLM is a beautiful and amazing mass. And I love going. I'd love to go today if I could. I'd go tomorrow. But there's something about some of the people in the community that just go too far with a lot of this stuff. And I even had people reach out to me and they talked about, somebody sent me a clip from, uh, obviously I got the Trent Horn stuff and he's not a trad, but um, I got a, another clip that I, I need to watch, but a friend telling me that uh, even um, even uh, Father Ripperger talked about this and shared a quote from G.K. Cheston about it. And talked about how seeing as uh, seeing pleasure and, and happiness as a sin is wrong, and how trads and a lot of he sees a lot of Catholics and stuff who fall into this. And so I think we just have to be prayerful about this stuff, man. And I just want to encourage everybody to to always question and always think about things that you hear anybody say, including myself. Um, but I just I just ask people uh to understand the reality and take in the big picture. Cause this is a, the other issue I had with, with Joseph comments. And I talked about this on Instagram a little bit, but just the other thing that, that, that gets me the other like big prominent trad arguments that I think are so easily debunked is that uh, there's the stats on um, where they stand on, on moral issues. So things like contraception, things like abortion, same sex marriage compared to people who attend a Novus Ordo. And then you have, um, the other side of that is is talking about how much it's growing, how big it is, how the trad parishes are overflowing and all this stuff. And my rebuttal to those in order is the first one, uh, I think it was Father Meyer actually, who once told me about this. Because he's like, yeah, man, you know, he's like, the TLM's great. And I asked him because he's, he's very orthodox. He's very reverent in his masses. He does, in my opinion, the most... Um, by the book, Novus Ordo, you can have. There's always incense. There's always like 10 to 20 male altar servers. Um, and, and he's at Orientum. And he just does a beautiful, beautiful mass. Um, and he's just my favorite priest in the world. And one of my best friends. And I asked Father Meyer about it one day, like, did you ever consider doing TLM or whatever? And he and we were talking about the stats. And he's like, if you, if you polled my parishioners at All Saints Parish in Indiana, you'd get similar numbers. He's like, I don't have a bunch of pro-same-sex marriage, pro-choice, 
He's like, I talk about all those issues. My parishioners are well-formed and they understand that. He said, the issue with the, he said, the hard part about the stats with the TLM is the Novus Ordo reaches a much wider group of people. Our, our diversity of thought and belief and, and diversity in general, in any capacity, and I'm not saying diversity is this fantastic issue, but it's true that um, if you look at the numbers of where the Novus Ordo is growing, you have a lot of it in South America and Asia and the Philippines and things like that. They're practicing the Novus Ordo. They're not doing the TLM in a lot of these places. And it continues to grow, and the church continues to grow and expand. And if you exclude the Catholic Church down to just white people, it is true that the Novus Ordo is, is, is draining, and the TLM is very popular. And they're going to have much more devout people in uh, white TLM parishes than you have in white Novus Ordo parishes. That's true. I think when you take in the grand picture of things and you start to realize, okay, the Novus Ordo reaches a much wider audience. There's many, many more people going to the Novus Ordo than the TLM. It's not even remotely close. The people that go to the TLM are similar, I think, more similar and more comparable to people you find at extracurricular church activities, at a daily mass, right? Those are the people that go to the TLM because it's it's a different version of the mass. One, it's longer. It's more intense. It requires more learning. It requires you to pay more attention. Um, there's a lot more to it. So you're getting people who already want more out of church. You're not getting your kind of run-of-the-mill, sometimes going to mass Catholics. And so it's it's I, I compare it to like in my parish, we have um, gathering at the grotto events, and we also do candlelight masses once a month. Um, and during the summer, we do those outside. And during the summertime, you get couple hundred people, usually 100 to 200 people that come to these masses. If you polled the people that are coming to mass on a Thursday evening, you would get similar stats to what you get at the TLM. But instead, what we do is we we poll people at all types of different Novus Ordo parishes, including the, the whack-ass parishes in, in Chicago, where they're singing secular songs and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. The The churches in Germany, like... All of, the, all of that's included. But if you, if you take the, the top 5% of a parish, those are the people who are going to the TLM. Now, you can make arguments like, well, why is that so appealing to them? And there's arguments for that, and that's great. But that doesn't discredit necessarily to say that each parish, I bet you the Novus Ordo, they have the same, like your average Novus Ordo parish and your average TLM parish, because the Novus Ordo parish is so much bigger, they probably have the same number of Catholics who believe in everything the church teaches. They also have a number of Catholics at the Novus Ordo Parish that are coming to grow in that belief in what the church teaches, and they're growing in their faith, where everybody at the TLM, for the most part, is already very much bought into everything the church teaches, already very devout Catholics, and that's great. But I don't think that discredits the fact that many people are coming to know Christ and His church through the Novus Ordo. And it, it seems to be a more welcoming, more open environment, and, and welcoming doesn't have to mean watered-down Catholicism. Those two things don't have to be go hand in hand. The other thing I talked about with this is this idea of this popularity. I shared this and I got a correction from somebody, but I was like, as far to my knowledge, there's one TLM parish that's dedicated to the TLM. It's FSSP parish in uh, 90 minutes of Denver, right? The next one's in Fort Collins or in Colorado Springs. It has two or three masses on Sundays. Um, I don't think it has one on Saturday evenings. And then it has one daily mass. 
you could not support three more of those in that 90-minute radius. And that's in a major city in America. So yes, that parish, which is very small, mind you, can probably fit 300 people in it, is packed on Sunday mornings. My parish, Our Lady of Lourdes, is also packed on Sunday mornings. We also have four masses on Sundays and one on Saturday evening. So we have five masses on the weekend. So there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, three masses. Our parish is probably about the same size, maybe a little bit bigger. And that's one Novus Ordo parish in the Archdiocese of Denver. Now, similar to Our Lady of Lourdes, which does, a, in my opinion, a very reverent Novus Ordo, you have Holy Name, as well as several other parishes in the area. It, 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 within five minutes of me, there are within 10 minutes of us, there is Our Lady of Lourdes, St. Louis, Holy Name, St. Mary's, and then Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which is the, the TLM parish. Oh, and All Souls. So there's five, within 10 minutes of me, there's five Novus Ordo parishes that are all doing well, that all have schools that are all growing. There's one TLM parish that does not have a school. I'm pretty sure it does not have a school. 99% sure. One TLM parish within 90 minutes of me. Within 10 minutes of me, there's five Novus Ordo parishes. And I bet you St. Mary's alone at their main 930 Mass. I said this about St. Thomas More in... Uh, I think they're in Centennial. But I was like, their 10 a.m. mass has more people than go to all the TLM masses at Our Lady of Mount Carmel on an entire weekend. One mass at either Holy or um, St. Thomas More or St. Mary's, I bet you has more people than, than go to the TLM. So you, you underestimate the fact that there's so many. There's probably 50 Novus Ordo parishes where there's one TLM parish. And yes, it's packed. But you couldn't support 10 of them in our entire archdiocese. You couldn't support five of them. They, they wouldn't exist. There's two. I, my only correction that I got was within 90 minutes, there's actually two other parishes that have one TLM per week. There are Novus Ordo Parish, but they have one TLM per week. So this idea that, it, I mean, maybe in 50 years it'll be reversed, but we're not even close to the point where people are acting like, oh, it's so popular, it's so many people. You will see as many young people at St. Vincent de Paul at Our Lady of Lords and at Holy Name, as you will at the TLM Parish on a Sunday. It's just a fact. There's just as many, if not more, faithful young adult Catholics in the Archdiocese of Denver that go to the Novus Ordo than go to the TLM. I know because I go to both. I know because I go to both. There's also a lot of big families at Holy Name, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, and Our Lady of Lords, St. Mary's. There's tons of, of big families. So it's just you you can't believe and fall into these lies and this this kind of deceptive thinking that um we often we often hear. It's just it, it doesn't have to degrade the TLM, but these slam dunk arguments for why it's so much better and how it's growing and how it's so popular and how everybody's so devout and all this stuff. Man, you you have to start to to judge some things by its fruits. Um, and I'm not talking about the mass itself, but I'm talking about the community. I'm talking about this approach to the faith that the TLM seems to be creating in people where you do just neglect the Holy Spirit. I always say we have two crazy groups in, in the church where you have one that's all truth and no love and one that's all love and no truth. And it's not good to be on either side. The German bishops claim to be all love and no truth. And I think a lot of the, the rad trads that get too crazy about this stuff, they become truth with no love. And God doesn't want us to be either one of those things. Dan Driver, 
the executive director, I, I think is his title of the mass of the ages, which is promoting the TLM. He was the one that told me every Catholic is called to be traditional and charismatic. Cause you can't be Catholic without the Holy spirit. If you have the Holy spirit, you're going to have the fruits of the Holy spirit, the gifts of the Holy spirit, and you're going to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle, self-controlled. All right, my friends, obviously I have no time to talk about target and these other things, but I promise that that will be next week's episode. I greatly appreciate you. Thanks for listening today. God bless you. Remember to fight hard. Be as holy as you can this Pride Month. The world is going to increase in sin. Um, so many people are going to partake in sin by promoting it, by celebrating it, by acknowledging it, by affirming it, by encouraging it in other people. And so this is a month for us to most, first and foremost, be driven and focused on humility, be focused on the, the sacred heart of Jesus, which is the greatest example of humility the world has ever had. So this is a great month. My challenge to you for the month of June is to pray the litany of humility every day. And I will start in our June podcast um, uh, reading that prayer. Uh, I just thought of that as an idea. So I'll start reading that prayer to kind of open the episodes. And so let's pray that litany of humility and grow in humility this month. God bless you. Continue to fight hard and be your best.